here we are. Uh, this is an incredible day. This is an extraordinary day. Um, this is a day that you don't hear about very often. Uh, a day of uh, celebration, uh, a day of remembrance. Um, you know, we've, as elders, already given something about what John, you know, has uh, accomplished. And he said they used to play for the basketball team here at Grace Community Church. They had a basketball team. Well, I once played against him, okay? And I was standing in the key like this, not moving. He runs over me. <laughs> Okay, I get up and I say, that's a foul. He says, you're right, you did foul. <laughs> so that, that's just one tidbit uh, from my time with Pastor John. I got to tell you, he could still play ball when we were playing. That was in days past. So today is a very special day. And uh, we who are at Grace Community Church have the opportunity to celebrate Keep this in mind, folks, if you cannot get into the worship center, that doesn't mean that you get up at the end of the message and just hightail it out of here, or you get up while I'm still preaching, either one, okay, because I will be taking your name down. <laughs> the, um, the reason that Grace Life is not on and the reason the college department is not on that they have overflow over there in the family center. So be, feel welcome over there. It's just as good, okay? The seating may even be better. We're here to celebrate, celebrate the faithfulness of, of God. Notice what I just said, the faithfulness of God in the faithfulness of one of his chosen servants. Because that's what he's done. God has chosen him to do that. Not everybody does. And so before I begin, I would like to, all my dear brothers and sisters to understand, I'm not trying to promote any kind of cult of John MacArthur. please. That's the last thing he would want, and it's the last thing that we need. This is not the cult of John MacArthur. I'm not trying to set him apart from anyone else at Grace Community Church. Do you know people were here at 5 o'clock this morning getting set up? People you don't know. Or maybe you do know, but they haven't told you what they've done. We are here at Grace Community Church, and we are in a Christian community that truly is set apart from many, many other communities of Christianity. When the men come in for the Shepherds Conference, they, they say things like, this is Christian Disneyland, okay? By the way, we have two seats right up in front here. You can come around here and come down to those seats. And I don't spit anymore <laughs> or less. This week, I was also contacted by Jay Adams' ministry and asked to make a statement about Jay Adams and what his impact was on my life because I'm involved with biblical counseling. And he has impacted my life, and I was able to write something, of course. There are men that God uses in extraordinary ways, and he uses them for his purposes. And frankly, it's a privilege it's a privilege to be able to recognize them, whether it be Jay Adams' 90th birthday or John MacArthur's 50th year here at Grace Community Church. John MacArthur is special because God has made him so. He has been my pastor for 37 years. We hear, one, that he's been pastor the whole time he's been here. And I realize that there are plenty of other good men that God is using in Grace Community Church, in other pulpits across America, and in this world. Friends, whether it is John MacArthur or Jay Adams, they have been faithful, and God has been able to entrust his ministry to them. That's what has happened. Whether they have been endowed with wisdom or eloquence of speaking gifts, this means nothing unless the man is found faithful. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says this, It is required of servants that one be found trustworthy or faithful. The empowerment of any servant of God has been given by God for God's purposes. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to be going out in a few different places here today, and I hope you don't mind. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 and Paul says this in this last letter that he writes, and he's writing it to his dear uh, servant in the faith, his dear son in the faith, Timothy, and he says this, 
who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. That's what has happened. He saved us and then he called us with a holy calling according to our, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. You see, it's God's purpose. That's why this is here and what it is today. It was God's purpose. I don't think John ever had an idea or a dream that it could be what it is, that you could even last 50 years. To his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. God set it in eternity past and made it happen. You know, I, I'm reading about Andrew Bonner, and he's up in, in Scotland, and it's a totally dead area, and he walks in there, and he preaches for 18 years, and nothing happens, and then the 18th year, all of a sudden, it starts to turn around. You just never know, because it's God's Spirit who moves people. John was called by God for such a time and a place. That's what he did. He called him for a year. Not according to what he could do, on his own, but according to what God had called him to do. We see that in 2 Timothy 1.9. God called him to do that. Notice also here, it is God who supplies the grace that's necessary to get the job done. God gives the grace, and I don't mean just Grace Community Church, but he gives the grace along the way. I mean, we could stop at points of his time of being here and seeing where God's grace was immense. And I could tell you some stories and some things that we've talked about even on staff with John. Why did you stay when there was this rebellion? Why did you stay when there was this uh, animosity towards you? Why did you stay? All of those kinds of things. Notice it's God who supplies the grace. Folks, the one thing to remember is this. John is a mere man, a mere man. But there is really something to say about the longevity of this one man in one church for 50 years in this day and age. How fast do things change these days? You know, I mean, your computer isn't fast enough. You got to go get another computer, right? And if your phone isn't working right, you got to go get an i16. It's just, well, let's go get the next newest, fastest, and the best thing, you know? 50 years. Now, I've heard all kinds of numbers thrown about about the average length of pastors being in a church. When I was in seminary, okay, that goes back a lot of years ago, I heard the numbers 18 to 24 months to be in a church or to be in a ministry for any length of time. 18 to 24 months is the average that's uh, not very long, folks. That's not very long. You, you can't even get something started. Uh, I had lunch with my son-in-law this week. He's seven years in his church, and he says it's just beginning. Seven years, just beginning. And that's good. That's good. Hopefully what comes across today, and I hope you get this, what comes across today is that God can use any man, any woman, who desires to remain obedient, faithful, and true to the Word of God. If you're going to promote the Word of God, God's willing to promote you because it's about His kingdom. It's about what He's doing, not about what a man does. When John leaves this church, it's not going to change to John MacArthur's church. It's still going to be Grace Community Church. It's still going to be God's church. There has been much said about this man, both positive and negative. I've read some of those things that are negative, and they're wrong, but I've read them. Remember, negative things were even said about Jesus, and negative things continue to be said about Jesus. There is an 80-page biography that has been written by Ian Murray, and if you have the chance, you can pick it up and read it, but I would probably wait for the larger volume that's going to come out someday because there's going to be more volumes. There's going to be more opportunities because at the death of John MacArthur, all kinds of books are going to be written. We can all agree that God has used John MacArthur in an extraordinary way. Would you agree? Get me here and amen. Yes. Certainly has. Whether you came to Grace Church and got saved here or whether you came because John was here, 
I've heard people moving from different parts of the, the country and different parts of the world to come here to, to listen and sit under the teaching of John MacArthur. Remember one, one time, uh, this lady called from Louisiana. It must have been in the backwoods or whatever, and she said, I have to drive three hours to get to a church in Houston, Texas to be able to find a good church. And she said, would you come down? After she's talking to me, I said, I'm not John MacArthur. <laughs> but she says, we, we want somebody who can speak the word of God. Who's going to be able to speak into our lives? And, and that's the privilege that you've had for however many years that you've been here. You think about it, his influence in the Christian world, whether it's through the radio, the books, the missionaries, teaching centers, church planting, it goes around the globe. 1,500 graduates or so, and I don't have the exact numbers, has gone out from TMS to existing churches or planted new ones. The ripple effect has been growing in the Christian community and will continue to grow long after he's gone. I remember one time he's saying, though dead yet I still speaketh, meaning grace to you is still going to be on the air. 2,500 men, listen to this, have graduated from the foreign institutions of TMAI. As a matter of fact, tomorrow morning I leave to go to the Ukraine and teach another 25 to 35 pastors and seminary students in one of our um, teaching places, teaching centers. Want to help them improve their care of people. That's what they want to do. And that's in the Ukraine. They still care about people there. They want to shepherd them. And so I have that privilege of being able to go there tomorrow morning. You know, John never wanted to start another denomination. And, and you know, frankly, he's accomplished that by helping to establish churches. Churches that don't have the name of John MacArthur, but have the name of Jesus Christ on them. That's what's important. That's what's stamped on those churches. They teach the Bible here. With a friend of mine in the Atlanta area, and, and he had me down there to teach, and we're driving, and there's a church on every corner, and anybody from the south here, you can, tell, you can uh, give me an amen on that. There's a church on every corner. And I kept asking him, so does that teach the Bible? No. Does that teach? No. Does that one teach? No. Does that one teach? After one after another, after another, after another, and they didn't teach the Word of God. We are privileged here. We're privileged here. I want to talk about faithfulness today. Jerry Bridges wrote a book called uh, Fruitfulness, I think is the name of the book. I uh, don't remember exactly what the name of the book is, but he said this, quote, Many people profess faithfulness, but very few will demonstrate it. The virtue of faithfulness is often costly, and few people are willing to pay the price. But for the godly person, faithfulness is an absolutely essential quality of his character, regardless of what it might cost. That's basically the picture I see of John MacArthur, because there's many times where he took a stand a stand that went against the church and what the church was even teaching at that time. I remember in the early days when it was a lordship salvation issue and he still preached lordship salvation. And he was being attacked over and over and over again. The IFCA called him on the carpet because he was a member of the IFCA. But he still stood his ground on what the word of God had to say. So, how do we describe faithfulness? How do we describe that very important quality of a person? And that goes for any of you anywhere. Your relationship with your wife, husband, children, the church, your job, wherever you are. How do we describe it? Here are just some words that came to mind, and then, of course, I went to Google. Constant. Constant. Dedicated, devoted, loyal, continual, steadfast, committed, staunch, dependable, true, devout, and unfailing are just a few that come to mind, giving you a picture of what faithful is. How do we practice? 
or exhibit this quality. And folks, I think that's the message for all of us today is how do we as individual, individuals practice and, and become a faithful person? How are we known by that? This is not something that you can will. Oh, I want to be faithful today and just will it into your existence. You can't do it with your own strength. You cannot become a faithful person merely by trying. There is a divine component to it. And keep that in mind. You know, even when it comes to your sin, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Even when it comes to your sin, listen to, to this, where, where Paul tells the Corinthian church in 10, 13, he says this, he says, no temptation has overtaken you such as common to man. All the sin that we have and you have and, and the world has is common. It's, it's, everybody has it in one way or another, right? It's common to us. And God is faithful. Notice, he's, God is faithful there. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Are you serious? You mean I have to take responsibility for every one of my stinking sins? You better believe it. You better believe it. Because God, in his faithfulness, gives you the ability to be able to overcome that sin. That's the same thing with being a faithful person. He gives you the ability, but you have to add to it. It's like a syncretistic kind of thing. It's all of God and all of you. And that only adds up to 100%, by the way. But it's all of you. It's, it's not, not leaving anything out. You, you have to try. You have to work at it. You have to put in some effort. You will not become a faithful person unless you try. If you don't try, you're not going to become faithful. And, and folks, if you've had trouble in the past, pick out something simple, easy, and go from there. I remember we used to have our children spend five minutes reading and then we had them 10 minutes reading and then 20 minutes reading. And, and, it, and before you know it, they liked reading and we didn't have to tell them to go read. Being faithful. As a counselor, I ask people, so how much time do you spend in your devotions? Well, I don't really have time. Okay, let's sit down, 168 hours in a week, you have eight hours of sleeping each night. We go through it and I said, well, you have 68 hours left over. Well, what are you going to do with those? You don't have enough time? Be faithful. Be faithful. God wants you to come into his presence. God wants to hear from you. Be faithful. John MacArthur's been that kind of man. He's been faithful. So you need to be working on faithfulness looking to develop faithfulness in whatever it is that you're trying to do. Remember that your working and his working are coextensive. Coextensive. They're working together. God must be working in you and you must be willing to serve him and him alone. And sometimes, folks, that, that means putting away some of those temptations that you have. That may mean putting away your computer for a little while or putting your phone down or whatever else it may be, not watching TV in order to develop that faithfulness. How do you illustrate this quality? First of all, you be dependable. You be dependable. Whatever you say, let your yes be yes and your no be no. I learned that early on in my Christian life, okay? I had a man who was pouring his life into me, and he, he, uh, uh, we used to meet at 5 o'clock in the morning, okay? I, that's, you know, one of those early times, you know? At 5 o'clock in the morning, he'd meet with me. We spent two hours together. But he was a pastor on staff here. And one day, he shows up on a bicycle. Why did you show up on a bicycle? He said, my car broke down. He still showed up on his bicycle. We didn't have cell phones in that, those days. Do you remember when you didn't have cell phones? <laughs> didn't have a cell phone, so he still showed up on his bicycle. 
That's a great lesson to learn about faithfulness. You say it, you do it. You say it, you do it. You need to be willing, dependable, reliable, trustworthy, and loyal. That's what faithfulness is, taking all those components together. You, you need to be, people need to be able to rely upon you when they need you. If you say, I'm going to be there, then you're there. You say you're going to make a phone call, you make the phone call. What does Scripture say about faithfulness? And that's where I'd like to go next. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 7. There, there are so many places that we can go to in the Word of God, and we can look there and see what God has to say about faithfulness. And obviously, faithfulness grows out of his character because that's who he is. He's faithful in all things at all times and never stops being faithful. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God. He's faithful to Israel all throughout their time. And last week, I know we talked about divorcing Israel, but he still has a promise for Israel in the end. Romans 11, we don't have time for that, but he's still going to be faithful to them. His promise is still going to be true. God is true and his promises are sure, absolutely dependable. God can always be dependent upon. You know, as a counselor trying to tell people, well, you can depend upon the Lord, sometimes comes across as simplistic, doesn't it? You know, I mean, that's all you got to say is you can depend upon him. Yeah, sometimes that's all you can say. But it's the reality. And as more you put yourself into depending upon him, the more that you'll see the reality come true. I think I gave you the story of that lady came up to me and says, you said this about what would happen, and, and it did, and, and I just kept depending upon the Lord. Yeah, that's what happens. God can always be depended upon. A faithful friend is one on the good days, on the bad days, and during the good times and during the bad times. So often, though, our friends sort of disappear when things seem to go haywire. Were they really good friends or not? But a faithful friend is going to be there. They're going to be by your side. In all of God's relations with his people, God is always completely, thoroughly faithful. God can surely be relied upon to do the right thing every single time. Nothing questionable. But you see, at the same time, your God, my God, God Almighty requires that you be faithful. That you be faithful. We heard Lamentations 3 earlier, but let me repeat that from the New American Standard. Yahweh's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Do you experience that in your life? Do you experience the faithfulness of God every single day in your life? Or, or do you have some days where you're questioning it? I, I wonder where God is now. What, what is God doing here? I always think of Habakkuk where he begins to question God. And God says, I, I got it under control. Don't worry about it. And he questions him again. And he says, oh, okay, fine. I'm going to take all of the Jews over to Babylon and put them in captivity. That's what he basically did. Don't question God. Believe him. God is faithful in all his promises. And the one that I appreciate and the one that I believe you would appreciate most is found in 1 John chapter 1. Why don't you turn there, 1 John chapter 1. And we talked a little bit about this last week when we talked on repentance. <clears throat> but 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, okay, he is faithful. Do you hear that? 
if we confess our sins, he is faithful. Now, sometimes when you confess your sins to your spouse, the other one doesn't know whether they really want to forgive you or not. Have you ever had that happen? Or, or maybe your child has asked you for forgiveness and you go, well, but you know, you've done that thing 727 times already, you know? I'm going to forgive you again? Yeah. If, you, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's how faithful he is. Every single time that you sin and you come to him, he's willing to forgive you over and over and over again. That's faithfulness. Well, we find this precious truth of faithfulness also expressed in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Why don't you turn there? Now, every time I, I start off the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians anyway, I have to remind people because this is a book that really Paul is spanking the Corinthian church. They're not getting along very much. They're not getting along well, and he's got to keep correcting them and correcting them. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, he says this, who will confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. If you've been called into fellowship with him until the end, he will be with you. I got, that's a great assurance that my God, in spite of my sin, will still be my God. And you say, but well, what about the people who have walked away? 1 John 2.19 says that they went out from us because they were never really of us, and they went out from us to show us they were never really of us. If you're his, you're going to have fellowship with him until the end. And then one day we get to see him face to face. He's even saying that to the Corinthian church. So if you have been involved in sin and have been in the rut, by the way, the rut is a grave with both ends kicked out, okay? So you don't want to stay in the rut. You want to get out of there. Deal with it. Deal with it. Become faithful. Be assured, folks. Be assured that the faithfulness of God never fails, and he will be faithful to the end. Like what it says in one of the Gospels, and it's coming to me, it's in John, it says that Christ will be perfect. And what it means is that to the end, he's going to bring these, and I don't mean he's, he's going to be perfect in the sense of being perfect, but he's going to perfectly bring them to the end. That's what he's going to do. That's what he's going to do for us. Even in the midst of our failures, he's still going to bring us to the end. He's still going to carry us over the threshold because he's faithful and he wants us to be faithful. Remember, if God has called you, he will be faithful and bring it to completion. How do we know that? Philippians 1, 6. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. Isn't that magnificent promise, folks? That is an absolutely magnificent promise. If he began it, he's going to complete it. And for most of us, there's a whole lot more work that needs to be done. God can always be counted on. And I'm grateful that I know that He's going to bring me across the threshold. But at the same time, I have responsibility. And so do you. So do you. The faithfulness of man is different than God's. So often, and we know this because we've been there, so often men fail and men falter. Whenever God speaks to men, he puts conditions on their blessings. You see that in the Old Testament. You see that in the New Testament. If he is going to bless you with faithfulness, if he's going to give you that which you want, you need to be obedient. You need to live an obedient life. You know what the Word of God says. Do it. 
like Philippians 4.9, the things you have heard and learned and seen in me. Then he turns it into a Nike verse, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Paul doesn't let us get away with anything because he has the Holy Spirit helping him write that. God doesn't let us get away with anything because he expects that we will be doing it. You know, even when Jesus is leaving this earth, he says, go therefore into all the earth, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what is the next verse? 29, 28, 29. Teaching them to observe all that I have given you. That's what you're supposed to be doing. This is not just like, oh, I've got myself in the kingdom, and you know what? I'm going to just stay on this line here and keep going back and forth. Uh-uh. I can tell you if that's the way you're playing your Christian life, you're going to fall on the other side. Those blessings come with conditional uh, meaning to them. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28 has... Listen to this, 18 blessings for faithfulness. 18 blessings for faithfulness. Alongside that, there are 54 curses for disobedience. God does not want that. I, I mean, really, God's serious. It's not your way. It's his way. It's his way. We like to think, you know, I can live this Christian life my own way, and, and I can make up my own rules. No, you cannot. And if you try, you're going to be sad. Psalm 25.10 says this, All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness or faithful and true to those who keep his covenants and his testimonies. All the paths of the Lord are are loving kindness, faithful, they're true. But as for those who keep the covenants, those who follow the testimonies and listen to the statutes, Psalm 25, 10. Essential then to blessing is the keeping of the testimonies and the statutes. Obedience is the manifestation, listen to this, obedience is the manifestation of faithfulness. That's when you see it. You know, I remember when I first became a Christian, they used to say, you got to look for fat men. I went, oh my, I'm in trouble. I'm looking for fat men. No, they said faithful, available, and teachable. Faithful was right there at number one. Faithfulness displayed by loyalty and trustworthiness. That's why I tell the seminary students, whenever I have that opportunity, that they should be faithful in whatever God has given to them at whatever level he has given that to them. Do that. I don't care if it's moving chairs around. I don't care if it's washing the windows here at Grace Community Church. If that's what God has given, be faithful at that, that do a good job at that, and God will give you something else because somebody's going to notice you besides God. God blesses faithfulness. And he gives more responsibility over and over and over again. I see that happen. For the last three weeks, we have been listening to our pastor and we've heard our pastor and what he believes are the indispensable core beliefs of ministry. First of all, was the character of the pastor. And I can see as a man who's been here since the seminary started, even before the seminary started, men that have gone out from our church who have, okay, made it, so to speak, those who haven't made it because their character wasn't the right kind of character. And, and they spoiled themselves, and I mean by that, dirtied themselves with making wrong choices. The character of the pastor is number one that, that he preached on three weeks ago. The life of the church, meaning what we do, how, how we interact, how we show love towards one another. I'm going to repeat what he said last week. And, and I was there when, I, when a, a man said it to him. He said to Pastor John, he says, you know, 
I've been listening to you on the radio, and I thought we'd come to Grace Church, and we'd see a bunch of grumpy people walking around here because you're so hard. And he says, these people actually smile and are loving me and all of this kind of stuff and serving me. That's what the gospel does. And the last message which we have the privilege of being able to hear today is the work of the word. And the work of the word is to bring about faithfulness. And I've been here long enough to see some people come here, be on fire, and then all of a sudden, peter out. Like the fellow I got baptized with. We went and did um, door-to-door evangelism, he and I, for a few weeks. All of a sudden, he, he gets tired of doing it. He was the guy who would put his foot in the door and wouldn't let him close it. I said, you know, Eric, that's a little bit rude. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be bold, but that's, that's a little bit rude. And that's what he did. <clears throat> Weeks later, I get a call from his wife. Eric is back doing what he used to do, drinking, not coming home. Boom, went out like that. The work of the word has to work in your heart completely and fully. You have to be convinced of it, and then you have to go do it. Friends, these are the fundamentals to God working in a flock of sheep. This is how God works among the people of God, through the teaching and the preaching of his word. Pastor John speaks of faithfulness. I I had to find a quote where he said something about faithfulness. I went all the way back to his shepherdology book, and it's still the same book, Master Plan for the Church, but I found it in the shepherdology book, and he said this, quote, many Christians are sprinters. They get involved, they serve for a while while with all their energy, but then they go into spirit retirement, spiritual retirement. God is looking for marathon runners, people who run a long distance. But you see, that's the Christian life. That's the Christian life. It is a long distance. It is to the end. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, once again, chapter 9. Because that's what it makes me think of, 1 Corinthians 9, 24. And Paul says this, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But only those, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Now, you and I are not running against one another, folks. In other words, if we do, you're going to beat me. I know that because you're going to be faster than me. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about this long marathon run that we have in life. Verse 25, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. That means faithfulness and study of the word and getting up and meditating on the word and memorizing the word. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not with, by not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. We take care of that what's necessary to be able to do the things that will help us advance in our love for Christ, in our walk with Christ, whatever that may be, whatever that may be. It's important to do those things, folks. It's not just a suggestion. Our pastor has run that race. He has run that race, and he's run it for 50 years. Frankly, he's run it even 10 years before that over at Calvary Bible when he served with his father over at Calvary Bible. He has been faithful to the calling that God has called him to. And and frankly, if you look at him, you talk to him today, I don't know that he's going to stop. He's like the ever-ready bunny. He just keeps going and going and going. Whatever God puts along his path, he, he, he just, okay, we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do this. Beloved, though our first and primary responsibility is to the Lord, God has placed you in positions as singles. There are some singles here. Can I get a shout out from singles? 
Okay. Just the other singles, please notice. <clears throat> we have married here. Uh, can we get a shout out from the married? Now, I'm going to say this, married with children, and you're going to go, oh. And, and then there are some grandparents here. And, and that's sweet, yeah. Grandchildren are much better than the children, folks, just as you realize that. But you see, this is what you need to hear. God has placed you in positions at work or neighborhood for the promotion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's put you in those places for the glory of God, in your homes, in your singleness, in your marriedness, whatever that may be. Be faithful where God has placed you today, wherever that may be. Be faithful. At the same time, God has given you gifts and talents and they are to be used in a promotion of his kingdom. It's about his kingdom, folks. As much as we want to honor John today, it's about the kingdom of God that this man has been faithful to, and God has given him all the gifts that were necessary to do that. By faithfulness, show, you show yourself to be worthy of trust. Trust to the additional things that God may give you in the kingdom. You see, I, I look at it this way. The more faithful you are, the more opportunities God is going to do, give you to be used by him. I'd like to finish up, if you don't mind. Colossi uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians again, chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It's amazing how this book, which was about the disunity in the body of Christ... He, he so often speaks about faithfulness. <clears throat> Today is a day that we're expressing to God a gratefulness for the faithfulness of John MacArthur. I, I don't know if you know about it, folks, but if you look at the Christian community and you see men who, who, who get to when they get older, I once had this discussion with one of the fellows on staff here, it says well, when they get older, they seem to, to peter out and they seem to make mistakes and they seem to sin and, and get even are out of ministry because of that. But our, our pastor is still there, faithful to what he teaches us. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it says this, Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of, serv of stewards, servants, slaves, that one be found trustworthy or faithful. Well, but Paul's view was that everyone who calls themselves Christian is to be a participant in the gospel. You are wherever you are. I remember when I first heard this term that when you walk in your house, and I was a dad, young kids at the time, put these words over, the, over your door, entering the mission field. Entering the mission field. Because that's what you're doing bunch of sinners in there, not your spouse, but the others. <laughs> others. Philippians 1.5, it says, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. You are a participant in the gospel. If you're in the, in the church of Jesus Christ, you are a participant. As soon as you get saved, you're a participant in the gospel. Your life is to reflect the work of God. This letter, Corinthian letter, is written to all those who are in that church. The Philippian letter, all those who are in the church in Philippi. As believers, they're included in the work of the gospel promotion. And this message is to all the people who are in Anchored, all those who are in Grace Community Church, all those who are in any church that you are as well included in gospel promotion, in gospel ministry. 1 Corinthians 4.1 says that we believers are to regard Paul and his direct helpers as apostles, as servants. Frankly, it's better translated slaves. 
It's better translated slaves. Stewards as well, managers of the mysteries of God. These designations of those who handle the mysteries of God have been passed on to all who teach the scriptures, and our pastor does that. We are all slaves. We're all stewards. And everyone who teaches is just that, a slave. The first designation here for those who teach or handle the mysteries of God is slave. And the description of a slave from that New Testament passage is an under rower. It is somebody who is on a galley uh, ship. You know, you've seen those battles, you know, those epic battles that you see in the movies. And they're, they're down there. And guess what? They're chained to, to it and they get whipped whenever they slow down. <laughs> That's what a man of God is pictured as who is preaching and teaching the word of God. He, he's that under rower. He just keeps rowing, keeps rowing. And God does the work. God does it. John MacArthur has been called by God, but he's also been gifted by God, and he's then going to be responsible to God. We ought to respect this teacher sent by God, willingly and faithfully serves in the place of Jesus Christ, dispensing the truth to us each and every week. I can't imagine you know, when he first started preaching, it was Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday. I don't know if you've ever listened to any of his preaching from Wednesday evening, and you did the Psalms. I mean, it was just like, this is an endless machine. How do you study that much? I know what it is to put a message together for each week. And that was one. And he's doing all these other things. It's a high calling. It's a holy calling. And one should never be taken lightly, who's doing that. A steward will be held responsible for the master's possessions. They're given to him, and he, you have to do something with them. And, and I've had discussions with some men who have gone out, and some have not taken their stewardship well. They're going to give an account one day. Think of Hebrews 13, 17. I'm, I'm going to stand before the Lord and give an account for my shepherding. That's a scary thought. That's a scary thought. Our pastor has been instructed by God to bring the revelation of Jesus Christ to us weekly. Uh, folks, let me ask you a question. How has he done? Really? How has he done? Has he been faithful? We ought to honor him then for his faithfulness because it's been over and over an extended period of time. Our pastor was chosen by God and blessed by God, instructed by God in the revelation, and he continues to bring the word of God's redemption to us. In the second verse here in 1 Corinthians 4, it says, In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy, faithful. That's a requirement, folks. Of every man who desires to be a steward of the mysteries of God, faithfulness. And you know what? It's a requirement for every man, woman who call themselves a Christian. No one's immune, folks, from the responsibility of being a faithful servant, using the gifts, whatever they may be, that God has given to you. 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a special gift, listen to this, as each one has received a special gift, employing it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You are to be employing it as a servant of God. And I know I've said it, I'll say it again, our pastor has been faithful. He's not failed, he continues to nourish us over and over and over again. Faithful teaching, over and over again. You can hear some folks are being dismissed from another class. You're going to unfortunately be a little bit later than they. And I hope you don't mind my continuing to go on. But I'm leaving town tomorrow morning, so uh, 
the thing that's most important, folks, in all of this, John MacArthur has not wavered in the ministry of the word and doctrine. He hasn't changed with every doctrine. He stays solid with a solid understanding of the word of God. This week, one of my seminary friends gave me a, a video of what was happening at this church, and it was a ballet during the church service. Three guys were up there doing a ballet, and I'm looking at this. It's not even good ballet. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was sad that a church has to do that to keep the attention of the people. Paul said it so well in 1 Corinthians 9. He said this in verses 16 and 17. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Can you imagine that? That's what John MacArthur's felt in his, in his whole spirit. He has to preach. John's never boasted about his preaching or his ability. John has never boasted about the insight that he gets from the Scripture. He just keeps studying and keeps preaching. Every preacher should do that. Uh, I remember once I was listening to a fellow preaching, and he says, no one has ever thought of this before. As soon as I hear a pastor say that, I shut it off. Because if you think that you're the first one after 2,000 years of Christ being gone to be the one who thinks about it, you're sadly mistaken. We're stewards, folks, and we've been given gifts. God wants us to use those gifts. And I know some of you are getting a little anxious, so I will close a little early. <laughs> I will close a little early. Would you please open up the psalm? I'm sorry, Isaiah 25.1. You need to have this one last one, Isaiah 25.1. It says, O Lord... You are my God, I will exalt you, I will give thanks to your name, for you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. Grace Community Church was planned long ago by God to be a place, to be a, to be a lighthouse, to be a harbor where the anchors could be set to give grace life so the sojourners so the sojourners could rest here for just a moment, okay? And uh, that we could even see some come together in joint airs. Anyway, let me pray. Father God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for uh, our pastor. The impact that he's had on our lives uh, for my life for 37 years. I, I'm, what a blessing uh, that has been. Uh, thank you, Lord, for working in the, in the lives of each of the folks that are here. I pray that you continue to grow them, continue to make them the people of God that you want them to be. And I pray this in your name. Amen.